Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us every week at the same time as we continue to build our series called Roadmap to Reformation. And we are probably 40 some programs into this series. We're talking about the 12 gates of Nehemiah. We're talking about Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, Haggai, working in tandem to bring about a restoration. And in this series, what we're showing you is that they are pictures of the greater reformation in the new covenant of the, uh, just like Ezra and Nehemiah, whose names mean my comforter or my helper and the comforter. It's a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit to rebuild us and to build us up to be the true temple of God and the, and the true city of God. Ezra and Nehemiah built a physical temple and a physical city, but Jesus, who was the carrier of the Holy Spirit, just like Nehemiah, Nehemiah rode into the city on an animal, and when he did, he looked at the condition of the city, and Matthew 21, Jesus rides into the city on an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass, and begins another reformation. And we're going to connect those dots in this series today because we're talking about the 12 gates of Nehemiah and how they speak about entrances into this new covenant community of faith, the new covenant reformation, the new covenant uh, restoration. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 27 and 28 tells you, verse 28, that uh, verse 27 says, After them the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lieth out even under the wall of Ophel from above the horse gate, repaired the priest, everyone over against this house. This horse gate we've gotten to now, we, we've already covered about seven or eight of them, but this horse gate is mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 31 in the context of the new covenant, where Jeremiah says, A new covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith God. I'll write my laws on your hearts and your sins and iniquities. I will remember no more. And uh, he begins to talk about the, the new covenant. That prophecy in Jeremiah 31 is quoted in Hebrews, the eighth chapter, when the apostle says, the new covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel, after those days, saith God, I will write my laws on their hearts and on their minds, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. But it's in the context of that that he said, verse 38 of Jeremiah, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananiel under the gate of the corner. And the measuring line shall go forth over against it upon the hill of Gareb, and shall compass about to Gath. And the whole valley of the dead bodies and the ashes, and all the fields under the brook of Kidron, under the corner of the horse gate, toward the east, shall be holy unto the Lord. It shall not be plucked up nor thrown down any more forever. So he connects the, the valley of the dead bodies and the ashes of the fields and the brook of Kidron unto the corner of the horse gate. So the horse gate is connected here to this new covenant paradigm that Jeremiah is prophesying about. I talked to you in an earlier segment, especially when I mentioned the valley gate, and I mentioned uh, some things even in the last couple of weeks about Outside the city of Jerusalem, during the siege of the Romans, the destruction of the city, they threw the bodies over into the valley of Hinnom where they were burnt and the fires were not going out. The fire was not being quenched and the worm was not dying. Magnets were everywhere. And it was the valley full of heaps of the rubbish of the dead bodies. But it was after that city was destroyed that he says, hallelujah, 
Revelation 21, now has come salvation and the kingdom of our God, for the bride has made herself ready, and immediately you see a new Jerusalem. So upon the destruction of the old temple and the old Jerusalem, there comes a new Jerusalem. And so this is talking about an introduction to the new covenant. And I just encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other ones, if you did, because I'm jumping into this thing in the deep end of the pool in this segment, and probably if I have time, another segment to deal with this, to kind of really cover this subject. But we have really laid out a lot of stuff about this already. But Zechariah is a prophet working in tandem with uh, Ezra, and he prophesies in the ninth chapter verse 9 of Zechariah, and says, Behold, your king is coming to you, riding upon an ass, and the colt the foal of an ass. And then in that context, he talks about, Because of the blood of your covenant, return to me, you prisoners of hope. Well, Zechariah prophesied that concerning your king coming. And last week we talked about your king is coming not on a war horse, but he's coming on a donkey, the colt, the foal of an ass. And he's coming not to create war, but to cry, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, and tell her your warfare is accomplished. But he does that uh, because in the new covenant, you're not up under warfare. All that, the scripture said, Matthew 11, that all the law and the prophets prophesied up until John, and up until John, violent men seized the kingdom by force. But all of that culminated with John. And then he goes on to say in the latter part, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. I'll teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. So he's talking about trading the warfare for a walk with him, work with him, see how he does it, he says in the verse above that, this is a unique father-son relationship, and I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. And then he talks about the unforced rhythm of grace. So he's talking about entering in to this new covenant. Now let me show you something here as we, as we go over here into uh, Matthew chapter 21. It says, And when he drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying, Go to the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. I want you to notice there's an ass and a colt. Loose them and bring them to me. And if any man say aught to you, say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he shall send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king comes unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the full of an ass. This is a direct quote from Zechariah chapter 9. In other words, Zechariah is prophesying encouragement to Ezra and Nehemiah concerning that restoration of that physical city. But in the midst of it, he's really talking about something much bigger than just what happened 490 years before this. This is something that was going to speak of what would happen when your true king would come riding into the city to restore a greater tabernacle and a greater city and a better covenant. He would come meek and lowly riding upon an ass. The colt. This is a fulfillment of Zechariah 9, verse 9, so that we can return to him as prisoners of hope because of the blood of this new covenant. And the disciples, verse 6 says, went and did as Jesus commanded and brought the ass and the colt and put them on there and put their clothes on and they set, their, set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in a way. 
and the multitudes that went before and followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now I want you to see that they start crying, Lord, save us now. Blessed is the son of David. This was the fulfillment of the messianic prophecies that a son of David was going to come and restore the kingdom. And they said, blessed is he that comes in the name uh, of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, which literally means it quaked, it shook. The idea here is almost like a seismic earthquake. When Jesus rides into the city, there's an earthquake. Something happens that divides the mountain from the old covenant to the new covenant. And he's doing this on the Mount of Olives. I think you could see a fulfillment of that in Zechariah 12 when the, the mountain was split in two. That's not a physical fulfillment. That's, I think, a spiritual thing of covenants being divided because they speak of covenants. And we will talk about that as we get down in here because there's a mountain that he has to remove here. And that mountain he's removing, I believe, is Mount Sinai. Now, let me just show you something here. He goes on to say... The multitude went before him and cried, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And so I want you to see uh, that he goes on down and says, And Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables and the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a, a, a den of thieves. Now I want you to see that much of this is a quote from Psalm 118. And I'm going to read this to you from Psalm 118. What I'm, what I'm thinking is, if I was a first century Jewish person who knew these scriptures, I mean, this is the stuff they could quote verbatim, and they were looking for a Messiah to come, but we're missing the point here. But this is really a quote from Psalm 114. And Psalm 114, I'm going to begin in verse 14. It said, The Lord is my strength and song, and is become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which righteous the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Now I want you to note this because Jesus is going to quote this in Matthew 21 as he rides in on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is a verse that he quotes several things from Psalm 118. He said the stone, verse 22, which the builders refused, is become the head of the corner. Now, if you remember in prior segments, I told you that Zechariah prophesied and said, Who art thou, O great mountain? This is chapter 4, I believe, of Zechariah. Who stands before Zerubbabel. You will be removed with shouts of grace, grace to it. Now, let me tell you, the only place in the Scripture where there's a double enunciation of grace that I can remember is in John 1, where he said, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and grace for grace. So the capstone and the cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he replaced Moses and the law with shouts of grace, grace to it. And as soon as they shout grace, grace to it, Jesus comes in in John chapter 2 and begins to cleanse the temple there as well. And he begins to say, you made my house a, uh, a den of thieves, but it shall be called of all nations uh, 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 a house of prayer. 
And he quotes this verse in Matthew 21 when he said, the stone which the builders rejected is now become the head of the corner. So this cornerstone is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming to replace the old covenant. He's coming to replace an old temple with the new temple, a spiritual house. He's coming to replace old Jerusalem with a new Jerusalem. He's coming to rebuild the city based on the chief cornerstone, and everything else has to line up with the chief cornerstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. So he's using this very same psalm. He's quoting the psalm, and he goes on to say, This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now. Remember, that's what Hosanna means. Save us now. I beseech thee, O Lord. I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. This is a direct quote. Psalm 118, verse number 25 and 26, is a direct quote in Matthew 21. Save us now. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And we have been blessed, and we have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which has showed us light, bind the sacrifice. Look, you would think they would understand this because one week later they're going to do exactly this. They're going to bind the sacrifice with cords even under the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endureth forever. They are laying the cornerstone to this new building with shouts of grace, grace, and mercy here as you see them fulfilling these messianic prophecies in Matthew chapter 21. Now, I want to go back to Matthew 21 and again connect some of these dots uh, for you that I think, I think those are powerful truths. I trust you are are seeing where I'm coming from, how these things connect. He, he, he's coming into town to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah. Behold, your king comes to you. They're crying, Hosanna in the highest. Save us now. The city was moved. And Jesus says then in, uh, again in verse 13, My house will be called of all nations a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. This is verse 14, Matthew 21. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Quoting Psalm 118. And he left them and went out of the city. In other words, these Jews could have remembered. They would give like, that's why on the cross, even when Jesus would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They would have remembered the rest of that messianic psalm that was showing the victory that Christ would have in his triumph in his death, burial, and resurrection, because that's a messianic psalm as well. So when he starts quoting these things, they would have begun to sing these songs and melodies and start to remember, wait a minute, he's talking about something that was prophesied that's coming to pass right now. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Save us now. Behold, your king comes to you. Something should have hit them that went, duh, this is the birthing of the new covenant. This is the son of David. This is salvation coming to our house. This is the blood of the covenant. This is the cornerstone being laid with shouts of grace, grace. And he left them, verse 17, went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. 
Now in the morning he was, as he returned into the city, he was hungry, and he saw a fig tree in the way. He came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but you shall also say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. And when he was coming to the temple, and the chief priests and the elders and the people came unto him, and as he was teaching, and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one thing, and you tell me, then and likewise I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it, whence was it, from heaven or from men? And they reasoned within themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him then? But if we say of men, we fear that for the people hold John to be a prophet. And they answered, Jesus said, We cannot tell. And he said, Neither then do I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Go work in the, today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. He came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that you might believe him. Here, here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about, and digged a wine press in it, built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen. And he went into the far country, and when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent uh, the servants to the husbandmen, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants, and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did unto him likewise. But last of all he sent unto them his son, saying, They'll reverence my son. But the husbandman saw the son, and they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the, the, the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, he will let out the vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Jesus said unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures <laughs> the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the cor corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our sight. This is again Jesus quoting Psalm 118, and he's also talking about the cornerstone from Zechariah chapter 4. The stone which the builders rejected, have become the head of the corner. He's quoting again from Psalm 118. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruit thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard, had heard this parable, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Now I want you to see that this whole this whole chapter is fitting together in this whole fulfillment 
of, of restoration. Now, let me just, uh, uh, what I might do in this segment is just, what I might have to do is just keep talking and let them keep filming and run all of it into one so I can get all of this together if I can't finish it into one. I want you to picture this. Jesus comes into the city in fulfillment of Psalm 118. It's a messianic prophecy talking about out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. He comes in in fulfillment of Zechariah 9, verse 9. Behold, your king is coming to you, riding upon a colt and the foal of an ass. And then he comes in fulfillment of Zechariah 4. Who are you, great mountain, that stands before Zerubbabel? That mountain will be moved with shouts of grace, grace. We find out in, in Matthew 21, Jesus is the stone the builders rejected. And John 1 tells you that Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And grace for grace, or, or, or and, 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 I'm sorry, and, and, and Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And of His fullness have all we received in grace for grace. So the chief cornerstone, the cornerstone of the new covenant is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He is coming into the city, He is fulfilling all of those messianic prophecies to let them understand that the vineyard is about to be taken from them and given to another. That this city is about to be destroyed and burnt, but another city is coming on the scene. The temple that you've made a den of thieves is about to be destroyed, but He's going to raise up another temple. And the fig tree that he curses when he comes in here, this is not an accident that he curses a fig tree. Because the fig tree is a symbol of natural Israel, and it's also a symbol of a religious system that cannot produce righteousness to enter into the gate of righteousness that we just read about in the book of Psalms. But it, it, it is literally, uh, it, it is a fulfillment of all of these messianic prophecies as he's about to remove this, this fig tree that's shaken by a mighty wind later on. And this fig tree is also connected to the apron that Adam made to cover his nakedness. It's a religious system that can only put up a front. He not only curses that fig tree, he says, no fruit has ever grown on you and no fruit will ever grow. So he's going to, hallelujah, become the true vine and the true branch. He's going to become the true vineyard of the Lord. It's going to be taken from them and connected to the true vine. When Jesus says to them, I am the true vine, he's saying that in contrast to you thought Israel was the vine, but they're not the vine. I'm the true vine. And if you get connected to me, if, you, if every branch in me brings forth fruit, and in Romans 11, when he talks about the trees and the branches being grafted in, and some of them were natural branches, the emphasis there is on the fact that the root and the true vine is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, if you're not connected to Him, you are not in the covenants of promise, and there's nothing outside of Him that can produce fruit. I don't think it's an accident that he also goes into that series and he says to them, he says to them, you will not only say, they came to, to the fig tree, and the fig tree has withered, and they marveled. And Jesus said, well, let me tell you this, if you have faith, you not only say to the fig tree, but you'll say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. 
Now let me tell you that I believe that mountain that he's talking about is the same mountain that Zerubbabel says, who are you great mountain that stands before Zerubbabel? And he tells you that that mountain will be removed. And he tells him that what that mountain is, is the word of the Lord that says, it's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, and that that mountain will be removed with shouts of grace, grace to it. Can I tell you that that mountain that's been removed is found in Revelation chapter, I don't know the exact chapter, but it said, I saw a great mountain with burning with fire that was cast into the sea. We find that same mountain in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, where he says, For you did not come to blackness and darkness or the mount that burned with fire, but you've come to Mount Zion. The mount that burned with fire in Hebrews chapter 12 was Mount Sinai where the law was given. That mountain is the same mountain that burned with fire that was cast into the sea in the book of Revelation. It is the removing of the old covenant Mount Sinai. And when he removes us from the old covenant Mount Sinai, immediately he says, For now is come salvation and the kingdom of our God. And he says, uh, for you have come to Mount Zion, you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. In other words, the contrast here is you've not come to Mount Sinai, you've come to Mount Zion. You've come to the city of the living God. The removal of Mount Sinai, the mountain that stands before us still in this hour, is old covenant Mount Sinai. That mountain is removed when you've got faith. Galatians 3 tells us that the law is not of faith and that the law shuts up faith that until the law, I mean, until uh, that, that, that the law shuts up faith and that the law is not of faith. In Hebrews 11, it tells you that when they crossed the Red Sea, they came to the foot of Mount Sinai. And Hebrews 11, it says, up to then, by faith, Moses kept the Passover. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. The moment they crossed the Red Sea, Nothing makes it into the great hall of faith that happened by faith. Why? Because the law was given at Mount Sinai. Faith doesn't kick back in again until it says, by faith, the harlot Rahab. And we see Jesus saying, the harlots and publicans and sinners are going to enter the kingdom before you do, because you're trying to enter through the gate of righteousness, through performance-based Christianity, and you're not going to make it on the basis of that. That mountain has to be removed. That fig tree has been cursed. And that vineyard has been taken from them and given to a nation producing the fruit. And sometimes it starts out with publican sinners and harlots because at least they know they need a Savior. I don't know about you, but it's time for a real reformation. We're going to close here in this one. I'm going to try to come back and do one more and try to uh, do a few things here yet on this and then kind of bring this to a conclusion. But I want to be able to do it justice. So I trust that you've been blessed by this. Uh, if you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, we do definitely need your help. Uh, your, your, your giving is what enables us to stay on the air. And so if you want to do that, the easiest way to do is go to my website at lenhouse.com and there's a place where you can give via credit card or uh, to your uh, debit card. And you can set up a monthly debit if you'd like to or give a one-time gift and become a partner. Either way, you can write a check or money order, send it to the address that will come on the screen, or you can call the number that comes up on the screen and someone will take your call. If you do not receive an answer when you call the phone, uh, it's because we have a limited staff. But leave a message if you want to call back, and we will call you back and take your card over the air or over the phone. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.